0: Welcome to Overdue Classics, the podcast for all the books you've been meaning to read. I'm Brandon LeBlanc, and I am joined once again by Andrea Lipinski and Patty Bianco. How are y'all doing today?
1: Doing well. I
2: am not feeling my best, but I'm glad to be here with Patty and you.
0: Yes, Andrea is suffering through for all of us, so we appreciate that. Uh, we, as we have been for the last few weeks, are reading St. Basil the Great's On the Human Condition, uh, which is actually a collection of his homilies and things that were translated about 20 years ago into English for the first time. Um, and we have covered his first two uh, homilies that were about the nature of man in particular. Uh, and today we are covering a third homily, the homily explaining that God is not the cause of evil. So glad you all have been joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Um, and Andrea is going to get us into this uh, this homily with a little bit of summary.
2: Yeah, it's pretty clear. It's about God is not the cause of evil. That's it. That's all you need to know.
0: Good. Well, (laughs) thanks for joining us on this episode of...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Oh, man.
0: No problem.
2: He opens us up um, with talking about how sin happens from an ill soul, i.e. forgetting God. And then um, goes further to say that There's two ways that we do this, forgetting God. We can say there is no God, or we can say God causes evil, both of which are the same kind of thing in that they deny God. He goes on to say that in that way, man produces evil. The flesh is then struck so the soul can be healed. That's what he talks about in the next section. Giving you my section highlights. You might need more than that, but that one's, it will go deeper in a moment. Then he talks about how evil um, follows the maiming of the soul. Um, that one, like, yeah. I, I look forward to unpacking that with y'all. He talks that, you know, sin is a real evil and its end is destruction. And things that seem evil actually can have the capacity for good. Um, though they feel painful to the senses, and they can have a fruit that is an eternal salvation. And then in the sixth section, he talks about how God, nope, nope, nope. Well, yeah, God created the body, not illness. God created the soul, not sin. And sin is made through a alteration of its nature, of the soul's nature, because the soul was made to attend and to join with or have unity with God in love. And so in the seventh section, he tells us to stop seeking other things. That's how I summarize that one. But in the eighth one, he talks about how humans and Satan, uh, and this is where I was like, "I are evil? I had a struggle with that one. Um, Have evil uh, because of free choice. Uh, And then he defines or, you know, yeah, defined in a way Satan in the ninth section, that Satan, the word Satan means adversary. Satan is bodiless, and Satan is a ruler of the air as well as the world. And he talks in here about how the word heaven and air are often used interchangeably. Um, and in the last section, I have just even more questions. Um, he talks about how Jesus makes peace between things of the earth and in the heavens. I don't know if we can now use when he says heaven's there, can we use that interchangeably for air? No. That's my quick summary. All right. I think you probably like my first one better. God didn't make (laughs) evil. (laughs) Or cause it. Yeah.
1: I found it was kind of meaty. Like Mm -hmm. There there was a lot of scripture references that he had Mm. throughout, but maybe it was like the previous homily, but the the contradictions, I think he was trying to explain some of those. Mm-hmm. But then I'd find myself like, okay, I might be disagreeing with him here, but is it my, <laughs> is it my senses? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. I, this one was definitely harder to, to wrestle with. I think, I mean, there were parts of like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then parts I was like, um, I don't know. I think like, like if that's, and I found myself wondering, um, would that be enough of an answer for someone who's, who's like really legitimately questioning this, to, like that I run into in, in the street or not? Um, I don't know. In some in some, in some spots, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when he says deaths are from God, and that in a way natural disasters are afflictions on the body to turn the soul toward Him, you know, like. Those are things we don't want to hear. Mm
0: -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. And so I think it's a great question, Patty. Am I disagreeing out of my senses? (laughs) It doesn't feel good. right? So, yeah. I mean, the last line of the first section, he says, For one cannot turn aside from the just path unless one's soul is ill through forgetting God.
0: I think the section I struggled with the most on this was probably uh starting around four, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. uh, when he's addressing the specific scriptures that actually say or that actually have seem to say um right. that he creates evils. I make peace and I create evils as in Isaiah. Um there came down evils from the Lord upon the gates of Jerusalem. Um there are no evils in which this in the city which the Lord did not make. Um, and so some of some of the some of his explanations of those scriptures seemed to easily make sense to me. Like, and then others it was it was harder um, to kind of I don't know either either wrap my around my mind completely around what he was saying or question whether that's a full explanation of those of those uses of the word evil. And so, again, you're still coming back to, is that the problem with his, his interpretation or a top problem with my my desire to, to not give up on his own sins? On
1: well, the first section is he's saying that um, we may say that there isn't a God because there's this evil in the world. And so then his first argument is just saying, proving that there is God Right, and only the fool says, "In his heart, there is no God."
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You mean in in part one?
1: Yeah, seems like part one and two are kind of like preparation. That,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's yeah. I think because I think he really starts with not that is there is God the cause of evil, but with the question are the accusation there is no God. Um, and and then he ties God as the creator of evil. To that one is kind of a second, uh, a second um, falsehood, a second false response to the the us uh, seeing evil in the world, right? So one response to that is, well, there must not be a god then, and the other response is, well, there's a god, but he created evil, so why would I worship a god that creates evil, right? And so, um, I think he yeah. ties those two together in those two sections.
1: I think for me it was the same like I could understand the first part more I think because I didn't have that question mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. that there's a god I, I don't but maybe I do struggle more with okay there's a god so why did he create evil um cuz obviously there there is evil and you've observed evil even some of the examples that he has right of natural disasters and death and illness and pestilence and all those things and so
0: yeah and i think we're downstream from some more like really thoroughly fleshed out kind of logical arguments about the existence of god um you know just even to have a basis for good and evil, there has to be a standard, right? That that, that kind of, lot, and we're downstream historically from some pretty fleshed out versions of that that probably we grew up with if we grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. But but I think a lot of Christians still struggle with, but how do I make sense of the evil? And why does God allow there to be, even if it's like they believe, they still, they still question why, God, why? Like, why would you allow this to happen, right? And so I think... It's yeah, for, for believers, even it's easy to be in this same questioning. And obviously he's 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 preaching to believers, right? This is a homily. It's not he's not out in the street proselytizing, he's teaching the, the faithful. But so clearly it's a question they had too.
2: Okay, so can we agree with him through sections one and two that whether you say there is no God in the first section or in the second section, you say that God causes evil, both of those are denying God.
0: Yeah, it's either denial of existence or denial of his worthiness to be worshiped and praised, right? So,
2: right. So, then from there, in the third one, he builds on that. And so, all right, if that's not the case, or if those are there, um, he says that kind of in the middle of that big paragraph of three, um, in the middle, it says, For it was possible for those abstaining from evil to suffer nothing terrible, but as for those enticed through pleasure into sin, to state matter properly, did not themselves become the cause of their sufferings. (laughs) He goes out of his way to say, to state the matter properly. (laughs) Notice
1: this. (laughs) Um, That line just before that, for the beginning and root of sin is in us and in our self-determination. Right. So I title this section, Man
2: Produces Evil. It's not that God causes evil, man does. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Right at the bottom there's, we call what is toilsome and painful to our sense perception evil, bodily illness, blows to the body, a lack of necessity, disgrace, financial setbacks, loss of property. Each of these is brought to us by the wise and good master for our advantage. Mm Mm-hmm. So the thing itself comes that we call bad because it feels bad but it's not it's not bad in and of itself it's our perception and that makes it such is that what he's saying
0: I think so i well this thread goes farther through but i think his i think the strongest argument at least for me to me throughout this homily
2: mm-hmm. is
0: that is that um <sighs> there's kind of different levels of, of the using the word evil, right? Like it's used differently, right? Even in scripture in different places.
2: Ah, okay. He points that out. Right.
0: And so that I think his, I think the, that the foundation of his argument, if I'm reading the through line correctly is mm-hmm. that that what things that are, tr- what's truly evil is our sin and, and our actions, the mm-hmm. things we tend to refer to as evil like someone dying in a car accident or a child getting cancer, or those things are not actually truly evil. Like, like, Mm -hmm. because, because death is not ultimate, our our death is not ultimately evil because it saves us from a, from an, an immortal state of separation from God. Right. That's what he gets to toward the end. And so any death is not actually in and of itself evil. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's sadness if someone dies in sin and separate from God, but the, but their sin is the evil part, uh, the, the, not the death itself, not, not, it's not the ultimate evil. And so if I'm reading that, that's, that's how I was under, that's how, that's kind of the through line I saw anyway, and which allowed me to try and unpack the rest of his kind of nuanced arguments. And so um, the, in, in this front section, what he's saying we perceive as evil are actually mm-hmm. just sufferings, which aren't necessarily, aren't specifically evil. They may be helping us to turn to God. They may be, or he likens it to the physician stuff, right? Like,
2: right. The physician removes, but the physician doesn't create illness.
0: Yeah. I mean, chemo racks your body, but it also kills the cancer and maybe gives you, you know, 10 more years of life. Right. And that's a, I don't want to get into the weeds on that. People make different decisions and stuff, but that's the basic premise, right? To, up I to the point. Of ambi- a,
1: Go ahead. I was just going to say, I thought that was an interesting analogy that he used with the physician that we wouldn't get angry at the physician for, you know, cutting something off that was sick or needed mm-hmm. to be fixed. Um, I like that analogy for for God as a physician rather than a, you know a judge. <laughs> I right. guess who's who's exacting. He's exacting punishment, I guess, is what Basil is saying, but the punishment brings about health, right? A, a restoration, a renewal. Yeah, I don't know if you
2: like for you to just point out the our understanding of evil and what is evil. Evil is our what did you say? It is our sin.
0: Brandon? Um yeah, like the like the Right. The most evil thing is the, is the sin, is the, is yeah. the okay. disobedience to God. Um, ours, and later on, he talks about the devils, right? But Yeah, because
2: well, right above the sentence that I read, he says, what is evil by nature has been produced by us. Right. namely injustice, licentiousness, folly, cowardice, envy, murder, poisoning, laziness, passions akin to these, which defile the soul that has come into being according to the image of the creator, and has caused a shadow to pass over the soul's own beauty.
1: So that's right. what evil
2: is by nature, right? Things that is, are caused by us. Those other things that happen that we feel are evil. Okay, thank you for pulling that out. And,
0: and I think as he goes on in the sections, it got more confusing for me. He, he states that he's saying that the the things we experience as evil mm-hmm. might be a result of those natural choices either we made or someone else made. Um, but all, But to the extent that God's involved with them, he's he's turning them toward our, our benefit. If we'll turn back, he's using it to reprove us. Um, um, and, and that even, and that's where it got murkier from you. Even the Bible verses where it talks about evil's coming from God. In some cases, he seems to be saying that, no, he, that verse is actually talking about him transforming an evil thing to a good thing. And in some cases it seems to be talking about, allowing those evil things or, or utilizing those evil things for our, for our um, conviction or, or repentance. And so, but I wasn't as clear on his, uh, um, the lines he's drawing on some of those verses. And it's, maybe it's just, I don't know the verses in context well enough. I don't know, but the lines weren't as clear for me um, on those.
2: You said you, you were losing, holding on to it in four and the, second paragraph of section four says, "Yet yeah, God makes peace and he creates evils. Right. <laughs> like, oh boy.
0: Yeah. Um, he says, what does he say?
1: Um, he creates, yeah. <laughs> he says <laughs> on,
0: on the other hand, he creates evils. That is he transforms them and brings improvement. So they, so that they cease to be evils and participate in the nature of good, wow. so I can I can believe that statement and that that God transforms evils, mm-hmm. and, uh, and brings improvement. Like I I I kind of accept that in a from a broader sense of my understanding of Scripture, mm-hmm. but I but I have a hard time seeing it from that verse that He's referring to.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: That's that's where I was struggling. Um,
1: the so, create in me a clean heart, O God, verse.
0: Uh, no, the one where he says, "Oh, the Deuteronomy." He makes peace and he makes evils. Uh, let's see, where does it say? Um, yeah, I it's fashion. the it's the Isaiah verse. Yeah, I fashion light and make darkness. I make peace and create evils.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: My plainest reading of that, it's hard for see C- what he's saying. But I'm also don't know the con. I, I don't know the context of Isaiah 45 well enough. Um, so, so I, I'm um. I'm reluctant to, to, to disagree with St. Basil the Great without, without more context.
2: <laughs> I, yeah, I would say, you know, Brandon, Patty, listeners, if you have any guidance for the book of Isaiah, it is something that has baffled me for most of my life. Like, yeah. My favorite book of people is actually Exodus um, and Ruth. So, like, I love the Old Testament and Isaiah ha- is, I, it's a mystery to me. So, Yeah. Yeah, well, I like well, how yeah. he
1: said later, the creator and fashioner who has made the things that appear to be opposites, so do not seek one artisan of fire and another of water. Mm-hmm. So this antithesis, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I fashion light and make darkness. I make peace and create evils. He is the creator of all things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, his unpacking of that first part, fashion light and make darkness, certainly lends itself to his His interpretation of the second part, which is why I'm, uh, I'm inclined to trust what he's telling me about it. But I'm like you, Andrea, like Exodus and Ruth, those are nice, straightforward narratives. (laughs) (laughs) Isaiah always feels to me like, like, like the revelation of the Old Testament. I'm like, "Mm, I'm going to just Touch it gently and not draw too many specific conclusions because I'm not sure I understand what's going on here. <laughs> Wait, I'm
2: going to walk <laughs> carefully here.
0: Yeah, yeah, very carefully, and trusting people who are wiser than me and has whose right. whose words yeah. about the scriptures have held up over time, in general. Right? Like, yeah. did all the church fathers get everything exactly right in all their writings? No. But Aww, Brandon,
2: you just ruined it for me.
0: <laughs> but they're well, they disagree with each other occasionally, um, but the but it in, in in toto the consensus has held up you know what i mean and so yeah i'm i'm slow to have strong disagreement as i am unwise
1: right i'm i'm right there with you i think it helped me when he went through more of um I kill and I make to live the Deuteronomy first mm-hmm. mm-hmm. explains that a little bit down that uh, I kill refers to sin and I make mm-hmm. to live refers to justice. And so. I'm trying to. I make peace and create evils. Um. He makes peace through good teaching, it says on um, page sixty nine He pacifies your mind and reconciles the passions that rebel against the soul hmm.
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, see, I am more readily accept the Deuteronomy explanation, so maybe that tells you exactly where my soul is is. He's fighting against the truth.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I like that he kills sin and okay, I, I'm good with that.
2: Sin, <laughs> right. yeah.
0: Maybe that really is my problem. Maybe the, 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 the deep down, I don't actually trust that he's turning evils to my good and my sufferings for my good. <laughs>
1: I think it's hard to see that, right? Because of our perceptions, right? It's it is painful to us, right? Especially to see it happen to us or someone we know. Yeah. Or even you know, I think he's looking at the whole, right? We're obviously the parts, the players, <laughs> right? He's looking down at at what could be good for all of us, and you know, a hurricane come through and a tree fall through my house i don't think it's very fun but maybe it, it's or an evacuate to, for months yeah or evacuate for months but you know sometimes those things can be such a blessing like i don't think the israelites like you talked about this too like the israelites leaving egypt right, right and those who are against moses and they probably didn't want to leave or they did most certainly didn't want to leave um, mm-hmm. once they were in the wilderness <laughs> and experiencing all those bad things. But um, it was, God made an example of them I just, by swallowing, the, swallowing them up in the earth.
0: Right. right.
1: That seems a little harsh, right, to think about. <laughs> like, just like, hey, I'm going to make an example of you. I'll swallow you up.
2: Yeah, and so when people, modern people, talk about different natural disasters being punishments, I've been uncomfortable. And when I read this, I'm like, oh, 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 oh." Um, bringing the evils upon sinners for the correction of their faults.
1: I, yeah. That's, that's you know. where I struggled. Yeah. I don't I don't like to think of it as punishments either. But it it is um, you know, he talked about nature, right? And so there was an effect not only on us as humans, but on nature also. So to restore that, is that is this part of it? Even restoring some of that nature.
0: This topic is so uncomfortable that our podcast will be filled with many uncomfortable silences.
1: (laughs) Well, he says in section five, um, for these things, disorders of cities and nations, droughts in the air and barrenness of the earth, the harsh calamities in the life of each cut short the growth of evil. Therefore, evils such as these come into being from God and they stop true evils from coming into being. So this, this little evil is here so that bigger ones don't happen to redirect us is that how you read that that's how i read it but i think yeah. like brandon said the definition of evil gets blurry sometimes i wonder if yeah it's a little bit interchangeable i mean so if we go with the the point yeah
2: i loved it somewhere in there where he called, he called real sin i was like oh you put that Adjective in front of that one. Um, You know, like, he's a man of few words. Um, And so, is real evil that which we do and perceived evil, the senses of something being evil done to us? Mm -hmm. Right? Because he listed out very specific examples of evil that helped me when you brought me back there, Brandon. Um, The things that we do, produced by us, injustice, licentiousness, folly, cowardice, envy, murder, blah, 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 right? So then evil... Mm -hmm. Real evil is the things that we do to ourselves and to one another. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the perceived evil is the sensory feeling of something being caused or happening to us or those we love. Mm-hmm. What if we use that as our understanding as we keep going?
0: Yeah, I think that's helpful. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the this is one of those... This, so this is though I think that's that's how I understood it too Andrea what are okay. you saying um and I think it's helpful to remember that as we're kind of reading through his argument but this is one of those points where I thought to myself um how would this be heard by someone who doesn't believe in God because because even if you accept because if you accept that premise that, that that distinction um then the people who I'm doing sin to, are perceiving they're the, they're receiving that that perceived evil that that they're perceiving the evil as it, things done to them um and on that particular thing it's not something they did right they're right. quote-unquote innocent if i'm you know beating someone they 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 don't they didn't quote-unquote sin themselves into that beating at right, least but- not at least not directly a, a straight line for most people you know
2: I didn't he talk about it in here or I made it up um about how our uh, our battle is not against flesh and blood and so in that way um if I'm doing something if I'm causing evil to my neighbor well let me pick an evil which one do I want to do oh man I want to poison Okay. So if I'm poisoning my neighbor, because I, I can't kill my neighbor because then my neighbor can't talk about it or feel it. I'm just gonna poison my neighbor a little bit. Like I share food with my neighborhood, right? And so if I'm putting a little bit of poison in, in their food and giving them upset stomachs all the time, purposefully, deliberately, um you're saying their perception is that evil is being done to them.
0: Right, like they're feeling that. The same way what you were just describing is perceiving of evil, yeah. like I perceive yeah. evil when, when things are done to me.
2: Yeah. That's
0: what that's what they're experiencing, right?
2: Right.
0: And for someone who's struggling to deal with this question of evil, I think that person doesn't deserve that suffering.
2: No, I'm poisoning from, it.
0: From the non believers' mind. Mm-hmm. Um and he doesn't really address that this is kind of a part of the fact that we live in this fallen world in this particular homily. Okay. Ex- explicitly, at least, the, not that—not from my understanding of it.
2: That doesn't right, mean because no, he lists here the perceptions of evil being bodily illness, blows to the body, lack of necessity, disgrace, financial setbacks, and so my neighbor is going to have a bodily illness because I'm poisoning mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. and so it is evil because of I what I'm doing is causing evil.
0: Right. Your action is definitely evil. Right. Their perceived feeling may not be true evil, but that's
2: but God's going to use it for their good. That's it. Or
0: can yeah, I mean that's yeah, I mean
2: <laughs>
0: that that's where, that's one of the areas where I think someone who I was talking to someone obviously he again he's he's preaching to the church he's preaching to the believers right and right. so a a non believer might raise a different objection that maybe isn't addressed in this homily that's not to say his his arguments are false but to say that maybe there's something that he doesn't cover that, yeah. that the that the existing audience he was talking to isn't going to say, right?
2: Yeah, no, you're right, Brandon. By 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 me pulling on this definition and saying evil is the thing that we do, then when I do it to somebody else, <laughs> what is what is it for them? Yeah.
0: Right. I mean and I don't know I don't know how to fit in to my to my quote unquote problem with this. Mm-hmm. Um that evil is also the things that Satan does and the demons do. The things that their their actions are are well, they don't really have actions, but their influence is also evil. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: we get there at it, the end
0: because yeah, that that's in the end, right? He definitely covers that, and no. so so I don't know that he completely completely misses addressing it. I just don't know that it's like thoroughly flushed out for the non-believer, but it's not his audience, so that's probably okay. a fair an unfair criticism, uh, maybe, but yeah.
1: I think that's why I started with um, "there is no God," right? But right. it was a brief, <laughs> brief argument. It's just kind of that's like, good.
0: That's good. Thanks, Patty.
1: You're a, you're either a fool, or um, and and two, I think, is super short because he talks about why are the nations handed over to a reprobate mind, and why do they do what is improper. Right, so someone poisoning their neighbor is obviously improper. So they have to blame someone. They have to blame.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. Okay, Pay. Thank you for bringing me back to that. That is super helpful, because he he's basically saying, if this is your attitude as a Christian, you're lumping yourself right in with the people who are just denying God's existence, right? Right. Oh, that's so much. Okay, that that helps so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That really opens it up. Okay. That helps because then he's he's very specifically not addressing those people
1: right
0: it's a, he's addressing a particular thing within the con- within the body
1: mm-hmm.
0: all right thank you
1: we need each other but it's still hard to to swallow that um, oh yeah god brings these evils right either he says um some are provided as contest to demonstrate courage like right Joe. where's that one. I did. That was good. <laughs> page seventy-one, okay. section five. Oh yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Others, evil, come as remedy for sins, like David and Bathsheba, uh-huh. or uh, just judgment. Right, if you're slipping towards sin, mm-hmm. or um, just as an example. Like a more moderate by their example, and and so he talked about the I mm. thought it was interesting, he talks about the different vessels, right and yeah. like there is a vessel of wrath prepared for destruction, and there was gold, there was silver, earthenware, and wood, so it's like, well, I want to be gold mm. <laughs> I like silver well, that was a... that's true yeah I'd, I'd take gold or silver. <laughs> <laughs> you can have all the gold Betty. <laughs>
0: that's uh yeah that was a really helpful discussion unpacking that verse of vessels of wrath prepare for destruction and then in in specifically linking it back to pharaoh um Mm -hmm. the idea that we prepare ourselves for destruction right but that that's what that's who's doing the preparing um
2: which obviously i have to take responsibility for my actions and thoughts
0: yeah that's, that doesn't seem fun. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so that's where he says it. That real evil, namely sin, whose end is destruction. He says there's, you know, the different kinds of evil. The real evil, which is sin, the ends of destruction. And what seems evil, because it is painful to the senses, but has a capacity for good, such as the distresses that bring about a cessation of sin, whose fruit is the eternal salvation of the soul. And I love it. Then he puts a little command in there. Bam. Right, six words. Stop being displeased with divine providence. (laughs) All these complex compound sentences, right? And boom. Yeah.
1: Well, it's true. Like we think. No, well, maybe you guys don't think that, but Pharaoh, he's destined to be a vessel of, you know, wood who is prone to be defiled through sin and become fuel for eternal fire. There's no hope for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, and well, in, in the verse, you know, everybody's always, well, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It's like, yeah, he hardened it in the state that he had already put it in, right? Like Pharaoh had put his heart in this state of rebellion. And I thought this part was like, I didn't even thought about it this way that he was so arrogant to try and cross the Red Sea like that he thought, like that was this, this moment, not just like God tricked him into coming into the waters so he could crush him, but it was like that you thought you could take the passage passageway from the people of God when you're not a people of, one of the people of God. Like this is, this is arrogance that you defy God and, and then assume you can take his, the path he's opened up. That was like, oh, I never even thought of it that way.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that whole section was great. I, I just, I love the unpacking he did there in five.
2: Yeah. So then he says at the top of 73, for wickedness does not subsist as if it were a living being, nor to hold that its essence coexists in another subsistence, for evil is a privation of good. Skip a little, and he says that evil arises following the maiming of the soul. Which is like, we're <laughs> harmful towards ourselves and others, right? Like, Plato talked about that. Who do you harm more when you sin? He doesn't use the word sin, but when you poison your neighbor, are you harming your neighbor more or yourself more?
0: Yeah. I have to, okay. I have to brag on my, just a second, because I had this moment of, oh, thank God. My kids have gotten a better education than I got. Cause I was like reading the title of this. And the, I think I just read like the title, like one of the early questions in the beginning of this, homily mm-hmm. and my daughter, Uh, My second child was standing next to me, and she goes, "Uh, "Because evil doesn't actually exist. It's not an actual thing. It's just the absence of good." I was like, "I was like," and I got this part, and I was like, "Oh, glad she gets that without too much problem because I didn't (laughs) and don't at (laughs) forty-four years old." She's like, "She just like she just knows this, which means she's had better teachers than I had, like my wife."
2: You should meet Kobe.
0: Yeah, people should meet Kobe. she doesn't like to be on public things, so she probably never come on here. But people should meet Kobe. Mm-hmm. But I still struggle with this concept. I still struggle with this concept of evil not being an actual thing in and of its own right. We live in such a dualistic world; like we're just so we're so tied to that view of the world.
2: Um, it's it's hard. And that's for when me. he pulls out it. He goes, you know, so if all things are of God, how is evil from good? Mm-hmm. Because that's God. And all things are good and very good, Genesis 131. So, accordingly, evil was not created together with good. And I remember wrestling with that with Andrew Kern once when he said all things were created good. And I was like, mm I know there's bad. I know there's evil. I, I couldn't make the jump as an adult. <laughs> and uh, he helped walk me through with examples of how it's the good, whatever that evil is, twisted used wrongly um and i that i needed i,
1: I needed his gentleness to help me yeah, i think he said that in six right saint basil goes on to say um living beings were created with the bodily faculties suited to them according to nature and brought into life complete in their limbs and organs but they became ill through a perversion of what is according to nature so that perversion, that twisting, that turning against their nature.
0: Yeah, is it in that section or one following? Like he, he very explicitly says that the sickness of the body and the sickness of the soul come into the. They're they're the same thing at the same time, right?
2: Yeah, God created both body and soul, but God did not create illness, and God did not create sin.
0: Yeah, sorry, I'm not. Or cause. Readers, yeah, it- I. Yeah,
2: yeah. Brandon's reading from his friend's book today.
0: Yes, yeah. (laughs) I'm fortunate that I work at a place where several people had a copy of this book because I did not have mine, so I can't find any of my notes. Uh, Yeah, he says
2: in the middle kind of of that bottom part on 73, for a disruption of health occurs either because of a bad lifestyle or because of some other cause of illness. Therefore, God created the body, but not illness. And likewise, God created the soul, but not sin. Okay. Rather, the soul is made evil which is kind of weird right now we're going to soul is made evil through a perversion of what is according to nature that's what patty read
0: did that help brandon yes thank you Mm
2: -hmm. but i I love so for me the my what i kept and held on to from the section is that top line of 74 but what was the good set before the soul it was attentiveness to god and union with him through love and that's that's likened today called a few different things in different faith traditions um Theosis is one. That's Sancti- the only word.
0: Hmm. Sanctification.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank
0: justification.
2: you. Justification.
0: Yeah. Encompass some of those ideas.
2: Mm-hmm. And then I love how he talks here at the end. I have a question mark out of here because I don't understand it all. So he says, for having been freed from all necessity, like, I don't get that. What do you mean, mm-hmm. free from all necessity? And receiving self determined life from the Creator because it came into being according to the image of God. It now it's the soul. The soul understands the good and knows his joy and possesses authority and power, abiding in the contemplation of the beautiful and the enjoyment of spiritual things, guarding carefully in itself the life according to nature. See, so when he gives a six word command, we pay attention.
0: <laughs> I think, I think he was saying that that's the state it was created in. That, that, that uh, hmm. Since so for what reason is it entirely capable of receiving evil? Because of the impulse of free choice, especially befitting a rational nature, and then it goes into explaining that it has this free choice, and that it can, and it can, it can know good and knows joy and possesses. It has all these things. It possesses this authority and power, um, and it has this option to do exactly what that shorter one said, attempting it to to God in union with Him through love. Yeah. you just kind of unpacked what that looks like in that sentence, I think. Because then the next one is yet yeah, it also had the authority to turn away from the beautiful at any time. So he's he's describing, I think he's trying to unpack a little bit how the free will part of that works,
2: which makes me really appreciate all the more Cersei's definition of Christian classical education. So if we define it as uh, the cultivation of wisdom and virtue by nourishing the soul on the true, the good, and the beautiful by means of the seven liberal arts and the four sciences, right? And, you know, it keeps mm-hmm. going. But that part right there, that we nourish the soul and to know, oh, <laughs> the soul understands the good and it knows his joy and possesses the authority and the power and can contemplate the beautiful, like, oh, yeah, that's what nourishes us.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I liked it at the top of seven section seven too, or because mm-hmm. this is there was a time when Adam was set on high, not in place, but by free choice, when having just then been given life, he looked up toward heaven and became exceedingly glad at the things he saw. Mm-hmm. Um and we have other depictions of people seeing these things, like uh when Saint Stephen is is being stoned, it says that he saw he saw the same thing that they he looks at that's what he's that's what the witnesses see him looking up and seeing. Um I like this because I think I think because Genesis one because the fall happens so quickly in Genesis, like as far like narratively speaking, right? Um, we tend to skip that this this period, however however Adam was experiencing time. I have no idea in the Garden of Eden, but but where he was in this state, like he was perceiving God and in a union with God, and that there was this period, right? Um we tend to kind of mm-hmm. Missed that it's like oh as soon as eve showed up they messed up like it's like it was like it happened right away like there was no time lapse um so it was good to be reminded of that here i think
2: oh so he says there like the near the bottom of seven and immediately he being adam was outside paradise and outside that blessed way of life becoming evil not from necessity but from thoughtlessness i just thought that was an interesting like i hadn't thought that adam was just thoughtless
0: Yeah, and he gets into that later when he talks about Satan, right? That he that he deceived us, he tricked us. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, that there was that had they been had they been thinking more clearly, or you know, but.
2: And then in the middle of seven, I mean, uh, seventy-five. That full paragraph of seven in the middle of that, he says, um, "God does not love what is constrained, but what is accomplished out of virtue." And virtue comes into being out of free choice and not out of constraint, which is part of why we had to be created with free choice. Because I did wonder, right? He asked the question. Um, He helped me get there, Um, that virtue comes out of free choice. So then at the end of this one, he gives us another command. Let us stop seeking what is better than the things that have come from him.
0: Yeah, I think this this idea that virtue can never come from compulsion is something that we we just wrestle with in every, every everyday life, right? And getting kids to understand and ourselves to understand in regular circumstances.
2: Much and less... how we set up our schools, you would oh, yeah. like, call called compulsory education.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, even, even in the pagan sense, right, virtue is is, is this idea of human excellence, human flourishing, which means you have to choose to not just be mediocre, to do the mediocre thing, but to strive toward greatness in the, in the things you're doing, whether it's writing or speaking or running or gardening, or yeah. it's this idea that you're, you're choosing to, to do the hard work, to strive towards something. Um, and that, that, that never is a compulsory that's always has to be a choice.
1: Addie. what did you notice in eight? Um, well, I think probably with my background, you know, <laughs> when I didn't want to get up early and go to church, mm-hmm. you know, they would say the devil made me do it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just huh. rolled over and went back to sleep instead of going to church. Um, so that was always a question for me of, right. that. Was Is the devil the author of sin and evil? Um, so it's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I keep looking at this satiety that was in seven and eight and what that has to do with sin, right? Are we not satisfied with the love of God? Is that, um, why, the devil wanted to uh, trick <laughs> Adam into being thoughtless? Mm. I'm not sure. Because mm. he said, I think you'd read it earlier. But for what reason is the human being evil? Because of his freedom of choice. For what reason is the devil evil? For the same reason. Right, his self determination.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do we? Do we want to remain with God or do we want to be estranged from the good?
2: Yeah, I thought that was interesting that we were likened to Satan. <laughs> we've, we've made similar choices to him. Yeah. Yeah. And so then he asks in that last paragraph of eight, why does he fight against us? Satan. Um, and so Satan, being a receptacle of all evils, also accepted the disease of malice I don't, I don't I don't know how that connects and envied our honor for he could not bear our life free from pain in paradise so yeah he made his choice prior to persuading us and ours
0: mm-hmm
1: There's that misusing, that perversion again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Help me see it, Patty. Uh, just a little bit below that. It says, for he cannot bear a life free from pain in paradise with tricks and contrivances. He thoroughly deceived the human being and misusing the desire he had for likeness to God to deceive him. Mm-hmm. He showed him the tree. And promised that through eating it, he would be made like God. For if you eat, he said, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Accordingly, he was not fashioned as our enemy, but out of jealousy, he stood against us in enmity. I appreciate that. He was not
2: fashioned as our enemy. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've quite thought about that. That it's his jealousy that turned him into our enemy, or not? Like, because Jesus tells us to love our enemies.
0: I think I like they use of the word adversary, which is I think that's a liter- that's what trans- sa- Satan literally transition translates into.
2: Yeah,
0: um, and I think. Um, that I think he, he, what helped me was he brings it back to the first homily we talked about, um, where he says that he, be, he chose to be a- at en- enmity with God. Mm-hmm. since we are God's image bearers, then that, that enmity and that jealousy translates okay. to us, yeah, transfers to us or includes us. Yeah. Um, in, in, in an attempt to sever that, right, sever that relationship with God, He tempts us. He, he, he becomes our adversary out of jealousy, is what is what Saint Basil seems to be saying.
2: And so then on the on seventy seven, the end of that first half paragraph, kind of thing, broken up paragraph, he says, um, for this reason, which I'm jumping in the middle, uh, enmity toward the serpent is irreconcilable. But if the instrument is deserving of such hatred, how much is it proper for us to be at enmity with the one acting in it? So that's where he's, I had a question mark at the top here. He says there is a law that friendship grows from lightness between those who are united.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: and I, I think he's just calling it a natural law, that if, right? Like, and that, you know, we, bad companions ruin good morals, mm-hmm. he says, or a bad apple ruins the bunch is a proverb um, for in disease producing regions like the air breathes little by little an unnoticed illness is produced in the inhabitants similarly the habitual association with petty worthless things lets great evils drop into the soul even if the harm escapes immediate perception right you don't recognize it but slowly you know that's where we talk about how we become what we behold um and for this reason enmity toward the serpent is irreconcilable so I don't think so, the serpent in this way is one we can love, like to love our enemies. Don't think that that's what this is about.
0: Yeah, he seems to be saying like, because he seemed to imply that um, the physical serpent as we think of them mm-hmm. was was used by Satan, yeah. right? In, in, yeah. this, in this explanation. And so if we can't reconcile her, differences with the creature that he used, how much less the the one acting behind it, right?
2: Right.
0: And then maybe this is a distinction too that he's not necessarily making, but we can draw out from what we talked about earlier that um uh, you said, I think you mentioned this earlier, Andrea, that our enemy is the is the powers and the principalities, the spirits of the air. And mm-hmm. so when it talks about forgiving our enemies, that those verses are clearly talking about other men right and so right. in a way if you read those two things if you read those things together it's it's really pointing us to hey just like this is not really evil but this is the sin is the evil mm-hmm. another man is not actually your enemy uh, you know another man is is another so, person in, in the image of God their real enemies are are the powers and principalities the spirits of the air the devil and his army Let's go that? back
2: to the analogy of me poisoning my neighbors. What's the real evil there then? They're not battling against me. I'm an image bearer who's not acting, behaving according to my creation. Like, God didn't make me for that. He made me for good.
0: Right. You're acting, you're acting, I mean, for lack of a better uh, you're acting as an agent of of demons, right? As an agent of right. Satan, not an agent of Christ in the, in right. that moment. Whatever else might be true of you in other times when you're poisoning someone you're acting as an agent of of Satan, an yeah. agent of demons. And when you act in love, you're acting as an agent of of God. And so you the human, the image bearer can be forgiven even if you do something horrible like that, right? Especially if you repent of it. Um mm-hmm. But but the whatever demon you were operating, whose, whose will you were carrying out, isn't forgiven when you, when you were forgiven
2: hmm.
0: by the person. Hmm. At least as I understand it.
2: I'm just gonna, this, you, you warned our, our listeners. We were going to have a lot of silences on this one.
0: <laughs> in, in my vast knowledge of demonology and, uh, yeah. and all my yeah. theological study on the issue um
2: that's that's yeah well yeah i mean so if you just the last paragraph of nine he there's his demonology explained right that state satan is one who stands opposed or opposite to the good um his hebrew word uh means adversary um he and he "...is a devil, since he himself both collaborates in our sin and becomes our accuser. He rejoices in our destruction while he makes an example of us with the things we have done. His nature is bodiless," according to the apostles in Ephesians. "...his honor is that of a ruler," which is weird, right? And then it says, "...against the rulers and the authorities and the cosmic powers of darkness." So he rules those. "...his place of rule is in the air." And some epistles say against the ruler of the powers of the air and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So like it just it's a lot. For this reason, he's also called the ruler of the world, since his rule surrounds the earth.
0: This um Lewis's uh ransom children mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. can cons- help me conceive like conceptually uh, with this, right? Like I don't know if it's like explicitly accurate but but as a but as a you know as a an image as a a, it it helped me conceptually because it talks about how like so uh spoiler alert for those who haven't read those books yet but the other planets have have governing beings that are that yeah (laughs) that are clearly angelic um uh in particular what we would call venus and mars and um they can communicate with one another from place to place um but earth is dark like earth is dark because its ruler has cut itself off from from the heavenly host i mean it doesn't lewis doesn't use these terms but this is the analogy this is um and so they're explaining this to the to the earthling right like we don't know what's going on down there we can't you know like right you know there's like
2: a no, no transmission Oh, we don't know a lot.
0: yeah and so um and like, so like literally like the under the ozone layer, that's, that's Satan's realm. Right. I mean, um, you know, we can get into what that means if you're sitting in a spaceship, I guess, but I don't, we've mostly stayed low little over it. So I'm not worried about it. Um, but that's the, that's the concepts anyway, conceptually speaking. Um, um, obviously St. Basil was working in a, not pre-medieval cosmology, so he's definitely not thinking of space the way we are. So that's what—that's kind of what he's getting at, um, from a. But spiritual But he pulls sense. on it,
2: right? Isn't it in here where he pull? Where does he pull on the air and heaven being interchangeable words?
0: Yeah, I mean, he talks about like birds of heaven. It's it's in 10 yes. He's like, okay. listen. Sometimes when the word heaven's being used, okay. it's talking about. Sometimes it's talking about the presence of God, and sometimes it's talking about the air. Like yeah. you, have to, you have to read the context, right? And it says birds of heaven it's not talking about you know swans that are flying around the throne of god it's talking about the birds that you see above your head you know things like that
2: mm-hmm.
0: so this is one of those things where you know especially in translation we tend to like really need to pay attention to context clues and read things in the context of the entire book that they're in the bible and not isolate verses because it can lead to really bad theology
2: especially in Isaiah <laughs>
0: Yeah. Especially anything that's imagery literature, right? Like yeah. to to always take it explicitly literal is is a problem.
2: So if we go to the middle of section 10, um, he said, oh, I did it to us again. I can't do that to us. Starting with the word therefore, okay, right? Cause you right. know, what came before the therefore, so I can't do that. Um, so he starts off talking about how, uh, the devil's army, um, is the, uh, In Ephesians 6, it says that they are spirits of wickedness in the heavenly places. And one has to understand what Brandon just explained about those words and context. Therefore, since his wicked tyranny is overthrown, and the region surrounding the earth is cleansed through the passion of the Savior, who makes peace between things on earth and things on heavens, henceforth the kingdom of heaven is proclaimed to us.
0: Then he goes on to quote, quote the verses that, you know, proclaiming the kingdom of heaven.
2: Mm -hmm. so is that today that the the kingdom of heaven has come near
0: i i think so i mean i that's my understanding is that where it is and is becoming we're like we're like in the third age right this i don't know i think it's the third age (laughs) like uh christ has defeated death like it's not like he's going to later Mm -hmm. right he has defeated death now we still physically die but death has lost its sting, Right. Mm-hmm. And so I take that thing. The kingdom of heaven is, is now and is coming. Um, and, and for Christians, you can take that, you can, you can think about that in lots of ways. Like, uh, after the incarnation, we can, the cloud is lifted a little bit, right. From, from the, from Satan ruling in the air, we can, we can pray directly to God. We can, we can do all these things that were not really being done. In the Old Testament, um, but without completely chucking the Old Testament either, right? That it, it's a completion, not a not an erasure. And so, I think, though, I think it's referring to now, but that's just my understanding at this point.
2: Yeah, and but, I think of the Lord's Prayer. Um, that you know, when we prayed that prayer, we're wanting this today.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think the very end of this whole homily. Creates that distinction, though. The, but they are, we are still awaiting the uninterrupted. I loved that he seems to be saying the very last thing for God appointed the flaming sword to guard the way of the tree of life, Genesis three twenty four. Passing it unhindered, may we enter into the enjoyment of good things in Christ Jesus our Lord, to whom be glory and dominion under the ages. Amen. And I don't know if this is completely accurate, but the idea that 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 the angel with the flaming sword will still be standing there, but we get to walk past him. Like, he was was keeping us out, keeping man out, but that eventually we get to walk past the flaming sword unhindered. I really mm-hmm. like that coming full circle. So, mm-hmm. I like this interpretation by St. Basil. Whether or not it's completely accurate, I don't know, but I like it. It brings me comfort.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I like that too. That hope at the end that will be completely restored, renewed. Mm-hmm. Going back to paradise the way it was intended. I thought that we kind of moved over it, but that part on section nine where he talks about the clothes. Oh, yeah. us being um, or after we ate. Obviously, we knew we were naked. And he says it is not appropriate for Adam to have coverings either by nature or by art. Mm-hmm. Other clothes had been prepared had he shown virtue. Those coming by the gift of God to blossom for a human being. Certain shining garments flashing forth like those of the angels. And so when we go past the swords, the... You know, to the tree of life, I imagine will be in those. I guess robes we call them, shining garments.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and depending on how your tradition in, interprets the 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 garments of skin. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um. Uh, you know how you know there's there's multiple, but one of them. Is that those are literally the skin we have now. Like that that's that's what that actually means, that we didn't actually look like this in the Garden of Eden, that we had to put on these skins, and that we meant for much better, more impressive bodies, the kind that would make you fall down and worship them if you saw them, like Lewis talks about. So I wonder, I wonder what that what the resurrected bodies will be like. And it seems like he's kind of given this idea that they almost look more angelic, how we how we would think of angelic.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which we also conceive of those. With robes, right? With clothing, because that's our that's our concept of it. We don't have another way to conceive of it.
2: Um, he gives us this idea, I think Basil does, that clothes weren't immediately given to man, since they were to be given as prizes for virtue. Yeah, they were held in store, right? Like, that's just wild.
0: Lewis does another really good job with that in that in that trilogy too, where like, because at first when he's like in the presence of the. The ruling being of that he doesn't really kind of see them. He just kind of sees like the air moving. Mm-hmm. They're like hid from him visually. And then when they're like, he's like, "I oh, want to see what you guys look like." And they're like, they're, "Like oh, okay, here's one." And like he just freaks out, right? Because it's like the kind of thing, the kind of descriptions you get about the angels in and like the revelation stuff. And he's like, mm, "That's too much. That's too much." Mm-hmm. And then they're like, "Okay, here's a here's another version of what we look like." And it's like toned down, but it's still like super radiant. And so I'm like, I like that. I like that a lot. I like that that's what it would be like if we had to witness it now. If we had, to, if I had to see the two of you as you actually are right now, I'd be like, no, 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 no. Like it'd be like overwhelming, <laughs> right? But, um, but that someday, someday we'll have the eyes to see that. So I like it.
2: Thank you, Brandon. I will sit with that.
0: All right. We've been rolling for over an hour. Um, so we should probably wrap it up. Any, any last thoughts on, on evil? You don't have to have them.
2: All I got is Jesus makes peace. It's
0: a good one to take into next week. Because the next homily I don't want to read. Mm. Because it's called Homily Against Anger, and just the title is convicting me. So good luck to all of us with that one. But uh Maybe
1: another uh, silent one.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. How much do I want to confess publicly for all time recorded on this podcast?
2: Um, I'll give everybody a taste of how much I'm willing to confess. I actually told my counselor at one point, I was like, I don't, I don't have anger.
0: Yeah, I will <laughs> that's say the beginning, right there. <laughs> I will say last night that I just said aloud in my home. Next week's homily is a homily against anger. And someone who I won't out said, Could you read that title one more time? And I was like, "Uh huh." And they're like, "Uh huh." Like, I may or may not have needed to read it a week ago instead of this week. It's possible that that's true about my life this last week. Anyway,
2: if I could be so bold as to pause here and say, if you're reading with us and you're enjoying these kind of conversations, there's some other great places to have them, and it's at the extreme. And this is the last last month to join the atrium. We have three that are ongoing right now. If you want to read Norms and Nobility with Tanya, she helps walk through that uh, magnificent work by David Hicks. Um, but if you're, it, if you're reading it, if you're reading it,
0: you want to read other people for sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, Heidi White is reading through three uh, Shakespeare plays this year. One is in my head, Midsummer Night's Dream, and I don't remember the other two right now. It, they just left. And then um, if you want to search out the ideas and choose your own books, hmm, have your own free choice involved in this, (laughs) (laughs) then join Jonathan Council for the great ideas. And they're pursuing six great ideas and you get to choose the book you'll read and all look for this idea and bring what you see together to the conversation. Yeah.
0: Jonathan is a good person to kind of wrangle all those ideas into one conversation. So that sounds like a lot of fun. Yes, please. If you are interested in those, I was involved in one last year that was uh, dealing with Plato. Uh, wouldn't trade that time for anything in the world. It was so, so fruitful. Um, these can all be found on uh under the tab for training um, and apprenticeship and atrium. So please check those things out. We'll also post a link to it in the show notes. Um, thanks, Andrea, for reminding us of that. Those are those are great. It's, it's r- running out of time to sign up for them and get in for this year. So please do so. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys again. Uh, this was, this was great. I'm looking forward as much as I'm not looking forward to the next one. <laughs> I am looking forward to discussing it with the two of you. So, um, yeah,
2: you two make it possible.
0: Yeah. Thank all of you at home for pulling the book down off the shelf and dusting it off and cracking it open with us, uh, and joining us for this episode of Overdue Classics. Um, join us next week where, as we said, we'll discuss, a uh, homily on anger. Um, you can also send questions or comments to podcasts at org, and be sure to check out be sure, not show. Be sure to check out the other shows on the Cersei Podcast network.